When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you, are you done yet? We're going to start the show. Bobby Orr, behind the left of Sanderson, Seconds left in the period. The Bruins are shorthanded. Ray Bork. Ray Bork from the face-off circle to the right of Reggie Whitman. Fired it down and Whitmore blew it. Did he ever? Hey everyone's fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. We're recording episode 142 atop beautiful Bachelor Park in Amesbury, Massachusetts in Pole Hill. Gorgeous day out. Absolutely gorgeous. This is just amazing. But we do have some Bruins related topics we'd like to cover. Um, show sponsored by betonline.ag. Great betting site if you'd like to go and place a wager. We'll definitely talk about that in our ad read ahead. But to get to the topics at hand... I have, uh, sorry, I should have freaking introduced my friend Heather. Heather, sorry, welcome back. I'm so rude. Hi, everyone. They're like, no, not her again. <laughs> welcome back. Thank you for joining me, as always, uh, this summer, pumping out the content every week. One of the very few shows that do it. So I'm happy to, uh, to just sit in a gorgeous day. This is just amazing. I love this stuff, you know what I mean? We could do this all the time. Yeah. You know, so, but anyway, we do have some topics we got to get to, some Bruins-related topics, so, where are we going with this, Heather? Why don't you take the show? Well, first, I'd like to start with there's, as you say, a Tukaras day. 
oh, while we start the season. It is. We so. are we are a Tuka Rask away from the start of the season. Puck drop, Dallas. Love it. Yep. October so, 3rd, be there, be square. Or well, I won't be there, but I'll be watching on TV. But also, you mentioned earlier in the pre-show uh, discussion that the preseason games start when? It starts on our first preseason game is versus New Jersey in New Jersey, 7 p.m. Monday, the 16th of September. So that's 23 days away. I know you're not a big preseason game person either, my, but I, I just get, it's like, oh my god, it's starting to get real. I do, I do like the preseason because you do get an opportunity to see the younger players um, at, at camp fighting for spots. You know what I mean? I, I do enjoy that, but you're not seeing a full roster. And, and you I, play the same three teams. Right, and twice. I think and I think people when they see the like AHL roster and and the and the professional roster in the mix in a preseason game. Expectations get a little high. It's that shiny new toy thing that oh he looks so good in preseason, but what they f- neglect most of the times is the, the the chemistry that's made. You, you know you need a lot longer than preseason to figure that out. So that's true. But anyway, where let's are we see, going? Let's talk about Billy Guerin, shall we? Former Boston Bruins hockey player Bill Guerin. Now. We are out in a beautiful top of a hill, so I don't have anything in front of me like I do in the studio. But I believe Bill Guerin was a Bruin for one year, maybe two. I could yeah. be wrong. But And then signed with Dallas shortly after. Dallas has no state tax, so no wonder why he left, because Massachusetts, Massachusetts is Taxachusetts. So that's how that goes. But anyway, Bill Guerin uh, is hired as the new Minnesota Wilds GM. To come in and basically <laughs> clean up the shit show yeah. that Paul Fenton left uh, in the state of a thousand lakes, in the state of hockey. So um, the uh, it's an interesting hire. I think it's interesting because he didn't get hired last year, so Fenton could get hired only to be like, yeah, maybe not such a hot idea. Yeah. But he is. I can we just tell a little bit about Bill Guerin for those who. Absolutely. There. So he played over 1,200 NHL games in 18 seasons. Yeah, he was drafted by New Jersey. Also, he's a sort of homeboy. He's from the Worcester Hills of Massachusetts, went to BC. That's correct. Right? Yep. Played, New Jersey, played for New Jersey, Edmonton, Boston, Dallas, St. Louis, and San Jose. A couple of those years. Like, he mostly played with New Jersey. He played a couple seasons with us, he had, you know, chunks of time here and there everywhere. But he uh, won two Stanley Cups as a player and two as the assistant GM at Pittsburgh. Nice. He, play, he won with New Jersey on the Fab team there in the 90s, and he won again in his last year in 09. And he's been, what I think is interesting with him is he has been a GM in Pittsburgh who obviously has been in the last 10 years one of the best, you know, actually they're probably 15 years into their pretty solid run, but he's an Olympian. He's got a lot of things going for that guy, and I think that He's proven that he's a good executive, and I think it's stupid that Minnesota wouldn't have hired him in the first place and burnt down their own house. Yeah. I was looking at Mike Fuda from uh, the Los Angeles Kings as a huge candidate, and, and I'm actually surprised that a guy like that is not involved more in GM talks or actually getting a, his own GM. Sometimes people get comfortable, you know? So it is what it is. Um, in an article by ESPN's Greg Wasinski on August 21st, 2019. Uh, Bill Guerin has been uh, a winner throughout his hockey career, and uh, he's, he's ex- 
and Craig Leopold said in a statement that he's extremely pleased to be able to add his experience to the organization and the state of hockey. Um, Garen was hired in 2011 as a development coach with the Penguins. Uh, he was promoted to assistant general manager in 2014 by Jim Rutherford and served in a role for five years. Uh, he added he was added to the uh, general manager of the AHL franchise uh, to his plate in 2017. God, I'm hacking this. But uh, Leopold said, I knew in a different way he was an assistant general manager. He was scouting uh, that he is a tremendous at that, Leopold said, but if uh, other portions of being a general manager, the organization, the strategic, the management, and the people, and the hiring, the motivation of departments, well, I'm talking about, wow, that's terrible. But anyway, I think I'll edit good, that all out. I think he's a good ad for them. I think he has experience. I think Minnesota needs help. I don't know. I know it's a little unfair because Fenton had one year, but what he was doing wasn't so hot. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you can't not have a solid hockey team in Minnesota. It's Minnesota, for goodness sake. You right. know what I mean? I just, right. After all they went through to get there. It's just the, 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 the shit show that Fenton was doing in his one year as general manager of the Wild. Um, some of the stuff that I was listening to on podcasts and reading in hockey articles, um, pertaining to this topic was amazing and bringing it back to the Bruins relation um, the way that the coil trade was handled I heard was was a little bit strange because not the way the trade happened but the leak so this is what happened real quickly there's a reporter Mike Russo a great reporter and um, he leaked the um, the, uh, the coil trade to Boston ahead of everybody. And I heard Fenton went nuts on the team plane. Used the team plane, the, the space, to really go after people. Threatening their jobs. Like, just like, the leaked information created a very turmoil organization that was spiraling out of control. So... That happens sometimes, though, when people have power and then they feel like people are kind of, uh, like when the, I guess the crew gets a little mutinous because no one's happy and everyone's miserable right. and then people clamp down on their, you know what I mean? It's not. But when, but when. It's not the way you handle business, though. Like, you're the top, you're supposed to set the standard of. Right. But when you go up and down that organization trying to find out who leaked the information and you're threatening, threatening yeah. jobs, that's wrong. And I don't know, I don't believe that happens in, in. The other 31 teams, I don't believe that at all. I just think this is very unprofessional. Well, if, is, some, yeah. if something happened, it would be handled closed doors behind. It wouldn't be like a big skeptical. And that's you know, what skeptical. I hear. I mean, I'm not around Boston media, Bruins media a ton, but I do my fair share of talking to people. But they say it's, it's, if something gets leaked, more or less the general manager is going to come up to you and take the time and just say, hey, come here for a minute. Go in there and just say, listen. Let's not say that in the future. Let's not go down that avenue in the future. I know Don Sweeney is very, very tight on, on information. He does not give any information out to anybody but Elliot Friedman and, and um, Darren Drager. You know what I mean? So it's, you, you can't get anything out of him. But anyway, regardless, we're going on a tangent here. But Well, good hire is what we're saying. Good it is a Minnesota, good hire. It'll... Good American guy. Yeah. 
You know, he's got a winning pedigree. Um, definitely rose up through the development of the Pittsburgh Penguins and so on. And, and I believe he's earned it. So yeah. it's definitely going to be a year of uh, like an audition, see how it goes, and, and then Leopold will, will, um, will adjust from there. So, Hey, guys, let me take a minute to talk about our great show sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Baseball is in full swing, and placing a wager on baseball has never been more exciting than with the great folks at BetOnline.ag. During the upcoming Boston Red Sox week, I'll be watching and placing some wages on action this week as the Sox continue their West Coast road trip playing against the San Diego Padres, Colorado Rockies, and the Los Angeles Angels. And guess what? Because you're a loyal listener of a Black and Gold Hockey podcast and a CLNS Media Sports content fan, we are giving you a 50% bonus onto your sports betting bankroll when you go to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50. This added bonus is only for your first ever deposit, and the best part is the bonus will be added onto your balance within seconds. Again, support our Black and Gold Hockey podcast by going to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50. Please remember, a minimum deposit of $25 is required to qualify for the bonus. Please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions regarding bonuses. Don't sit on the sidelines during your favorite sports season. Get into all the action with BetOnline.ag, your online sports book expert. All right, we are back from just hearing a little bit about our awesome show sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Definitely go check them out. Use that code CLNS CLNS50 at CLNS Media. <laughs> but anyway, uh, coming back is uh, a little bit of a uh, some sad times. Um, earlier this week, we are recording on Saturday morning. It's very early. Got a huge coffee going on, so this is awesome. It's a little bit windy. Um, earlier this week, the sports journalism world took a, a heavy hit, especially in the hockey sports journalism um, field. Uh, Longtime Eagle Tribune writer Russ Cohen Conway um, passed away, um, and he was uh, notably renowned uh, as the guy that pretty much pulled the trigger on getting Agent Alan Eagleson um, that piece of crap uh, his due. So and, and and some jail time. So anyway. Uh, Russ was born in Haverhill, Massachusetts in 1949. He started at the absolute bottom of journalism back in those days, slinging papers as a young teenager. Uh, he attended Northeastern as an 18-year-old in 1968, and in that same year secured his first journalism job with the Lawrence Eagle Tribune, uh, or what is today called the, e- the Eagle Tribune. Uh, he had a lengthy career covering his beloved NHL Boston Bruins, Besides his scribe covering the bees, Conway became world-renowned in the hockey community with his investigative work into former NHL players' union representative and former agent of legendary Bruins, Bobby Orr. Uh, Mr. Scumbag himself, Alan Eagleson was the first executive of the NHL Players' Association and was a heavy promoter of the game, helping uh, with the world-famous Summit Series in the old Canada Cup days. But in all those inner workings of building the game, there was a money-hungry piece of shit that was taking advantage of so many. 
Uh, Russ started his investigation in June of 1990, and after hearing so many players he covered in Boston complaining about pensions, Conway took the next 15 months, made 1,600 phone calls, 200 personal interviews, reviewed over 150 documents, and compiled close to 400 sources, most NHL players, mostly NHL players out of those 400. Uh, Where was I? Uh, uh, and sources. He finally sparked an int- This whole thing, all of this, finally sparked the interest of the United States Federal Bureau of Investigation, which ultimately had Eagleson facing 34 charges, many of them including embezzlement, fraud, and racketeering. Eagleson would go on to be disbarred and removed from order in Canada and was ripped of any mention uh, in the Hockey Hall of Fame, where he was in inducted as a builder the, this piece of shit was in as a builder I can't believe this Eagleson would of course serve his time uh, for what he did um, yeah and the sad part about this whole thing was the corruption of the NHL back in those days now if you want to learn more about the corruption in the National Hockey League Go back to and watch the movie um, Net Worth because there were so many owners. I mean, Jack Adams, the, the, the guy who owned the Boston Bruins, he was corrupt. All, anybody in the old, like the uh, Smythe, Norris, all those friggin' names were all corrupt. They were all embezzling millions of dollars and taking advantage of players. So if you want to see anything about legality and stuff like that in in hawk in the hockey world and how much these scumbags took advantage of players like Gordie Howe and more notably Bobby Orr I'd definitely go watch that and, and learn something about uh, this but also want to mention he wrote a book game misconduct is a um, I just ordered it and gonna read it so I'm gonna I'm actually gonna write an article about that in the future but you can find that on amazon.com search game misconduct um, the Russ Con- the Amazon search for the book Game Misconduct, Alan Eagleson and the Corruption of Hockey by Russ Conway and that was written in 1995 I was going to say uh, this isn't to defend like the Jack Adams and them but he was so long ago it was done a totally different kind of way to like sports in general the people who own the facilities uh, Alan Eagleson was in the modern era when there was a players association and he was supposed to be the person looking out for the players and did nothing but look out for him. Like he almost brought back the old level of corruption in right. the new era. So I think that's the more disturbing thing with him. But uh, well, what's more, excuse me, what's more disturbing to me is it wasn't police back then when they were taking advantage of players, but when it was policed, yeah. they were still taking, there was people exactly. still taking advantage of players. I get that. So, um, kudos and, and, and absolute sorry for the loss of a, of a guy that um, was a great investigative reporter for the Eagle Tribune. But his Bruins coverage was second to none. Um, and he grew up in Haverhill, you know what I mean? I Lived, uh, born and died there. So Big uh, Merrimack Valley guy, but also shared with the world. Uh, yep. He spent four decades doing his journalist thing. I think uh, just also... he. W- 
he was actually a Pulitzer finalist yes. for his work. In 1992, and, I believe. Yeah, and he uh, has been honored at the Hockey Hall of Fame for his work. And I think it's also important to note that in his life, he also was a huge uh, auto racing guy, too. Oh, and, yep, uh, yep. Five decades of that, he's in the New England Racing Hall of Fame, which is another... I mean, he's a New England guy. He never forgot his roots. Yeah. I remember, uh, I don't remember which article, but in the Eagle Tribune, you know, they've had a lot of things on him, and they're talking, like, how he took over, like, a golf tournament, you know, in Hayra and, like, made a thing. That, um, but I just, I think it's interesting that when, like, a guy who really cared about these athletes took down a guy that did not give two flying shits about these athletes. Yep. And um, Ricky Middleton, I read a quote from him that said that it was a thing about Russ that he looked after the little guy, uh, what long after they were retired and then were struggling he just cared about people we respected him as players but after i retired he became a true friend and he was saying you know he really loved that guy i think it's that's important too because everyone's always worried about during people's careers but like what happens to players especially like the older players who aren't making 11.5 million stuff and, yeah you know now their agents are out for them but they're out to get the money for their players too because sports are a little different but it wasn't that long ago it's like 1992 wasn't that long ago. No, you know not I mean? at all. Not at all. To there. So I think it's good that you're taking a minute to honor him, not only because he's, you know, an Essex County guy. Yeah, but just, I mean, his, his reporting was, it was good. The and, world took notice. Right. Yeah. But my whole thing, what caught my attention about this whole story was that the players were coming to him as that was their outlet. Yeah. The media. The, I mean, it, it's sad that you, and to, you know, even back then, that you couldn't go to your employer and say, listen, we're not being you know, treated fairly. Well, it's not even the employer, but your union wasn't yeah, taking care of you. Yes, that's exactly. The, that's the uh, catch-22. And I get, like, maybe the player, it was still not, it was still kind of in its baby phase in the 90s, because it really was the 80s into the 90s that the player association, but it's just sad. Also, I was shocked to find, why would an executive be in charge of that? Like, yes. you know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't a union president be voted, which is kind of how they do it. Not like there's certain representatives that are kind right. of the board that represents the players union when they do those things. But I think that it, it also uh, made other leagues stand up and take notice because it's not as if baseball or football or certainly basketball aren't on their own, have had their own corrupt past. You know, that was sports. But for me, it's like, you know, Jack Adams, you know, a hundred years ago, whatever, 80 years ago is a little different because, you know, that was kind of the way we didn't have professional sports the way we have it now. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't right. Everyone's getting recruited since little league, but, uh, he was a good guy. He did a lot for sports, this area, you know, and racing. He lived. A, yeah. He lived. A he long, bought, long he bought life. Lee Speedway up there to keep it going just yeah. to, just to keep the dream alive. And, and it was a heavy promoter. Um, but and this is before everybody loved NASCAR and drag yep. racing and all this stuff. Like it when it was still very regionalized. We did have little spots, but you know it wasn't yeah, like there was today a, where there's there was actually a track in Groveland. Yeah, the Groveland Plains, I believe they called it. Yeah, we used to go up all the time to those. But anyways, an all-around good guy, and it's sad to hear his passing, passing at, at at seventy years old. You made an impact. Yeah, so. seventy years old, so. Um, just to bring down pieces of shit like Alan Eagleson, you you know, mad respect that you're looking out for humans uh, that you know were treated poorly. So by the people that were, you know, they voted in, <laughs> which is yep. terrible. But um, moving on, before we take a uh, commercial break, gotta talk about one of my favorite prospects. I, I know that a lot of people are not high on him because he hasn't. 
played uh, a, a full season in the NHL yet since his draft year of 2015. But um, on the uh, Skate Podcast on WEEI and uh, NHL.com writer and EEI writer Matt Kalman and EEI Sports Nut Ken Laird um, had Seneshin call into the uh, the podcast and talk a little bit about um, you know his experience in the NHL, which he got two games last season, and what kind of camp he's going to come into this year uh, with um, you know the tra- uh, weight training, uh, what kind of game you can play, and uh, and and fighting for. A, an NHL spot, so um, this this was my favorite part about this, and I know it got um, uh, Matt Kalman's uh, ear as well. But I, uh, he says, you know, I think it's just kind of focusing on the progress, not the perfection. I really enjoyed that, and that really tells me and a lot of folks out there that um, you, you need to be patient. Be patient with the kids nowadays. They don't need to come out off the draft podium and get right in the NHL because you want to see them like that. Proper development, I'm not, I cannot stress that anymore. Proper development these days is so key to a, a, the longevity of a good, competitive NHL organization. I think it's even bigger than just the development. It's the fact um, there's a you hear a lot of times from people like this generation of players aren't you know, not, I hate saying the word top, or whatever, just, they're very used to always having constant correction, direction, whatever it is, and to hear, I'm not saying that they're not self-motivating, but when you hear a young kid that's like, hey, you know, I'm a young kid, I don't expect to be, you know, I didn't expect to be on the team yet, but I'm, I think now I'm looking like I could make the team, and about, you always want someone to get better, you know what I mean, and I always say, you know, a prospect's just a prospect till they do something, you know. And uh, I think that's good, though. It shows that he's understood where he stands, but he wants to, you know, take notice. He doesn't want to give up. And let's face it, I, you, you, he, you were very high on him when he got drafted. You were very excited. I, I know he was. He was like your new Tuka Rask. I hadn't seen you as excited about someone. Just what you were seeing in juniors and stuff like that. Yeah. But, when, he, when he played for Sault Ste. Marie, I thought he was a. Yeah, and just because it's taken a couple years, that's like you were saying. I mean, I don't think you can tell a player's worth at 20. Yes, sometimes there are crazy, insane people like the Connor McDavid's of the world. You know exactly what you get. Yeah, they're not going to the AHL. A league is not built just only on those people. Right. But generally speaking, you're probably not getting your break till you're 22, 21 anyways, people retiring, whatever. Like, you got to have your spot. you got to know what role you'll have to fill. And you got to grow into yourself and your player. And in juniors, you're not getting quite the same coaching you're getting as you are in the AHL either, you know? So you have to learn and adapt to the style. And I like that he is hopeful, but he also is not like... Sometimes young players nowadays, to me, seem like they're entitled. And they yeah. feel like, oh, like... Like, we're supposed to bounce, you know, Charlie Coyle so you can have a spot or whatever, just like an example kind of thing. Like, yep. no, like, I, I will still take a veteran player at a few years at a low cost over someone who might be all right in five years. So it's glad to hear he's he's at a spot where he thinks he might be able to show that he's ready for that chance, but he also seems like he's at a place where he's just, if half has to be, I'll go back to Providence and work my ass off another season and just keep improving. Yeah, I, I believe that, that that is probably going to happen. I think Providence is pro, is probably 75% going to happen for a full season and uh, maybe maybe even up to 10 games in the NHL this year. But he's definitely got to come in at camp and be ready. Um, 
I know that he's an Ottawa native, Ottawa, Ontario native. And, uh, you know, he could have gone home. I mean, when that, when that particular interview happened on the skate podcast with Matt Kalman and Ken Laird, he said that he was in Ottawa just for a short time, but he just came back because he was down working with trainers uh, at the Worry Ice Arena in Brighton, Massachusetts. So um, he's working. He's definitely going to be putting the work in there for the rest of the, uh, this. I'm not sure if he's going to be playing in the Prospects Challenge. I think he might be one of those prospects that have a uh, graduated prospect. So who knows? But I, I see him really challenging for the right wing spot alongside David Krejci and, 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 um, and Jake DeBrusque on the left side. But here's the thing. is He's on an entry-level contract. It's, it's very small money. It's probably like at, at the NHL level, $950,000. My whole thing with this whole Bruins team is they're heavy on NHL experience while they're trying to insert the, the youth into the lineup. I don't see him starting the year off in the NHL. Unfortunately, I think that players like Brett Ritchie that came in here on a million dollars that have grit size are going to be that type of player that could fit on the right, uh, right side next to Krejci and be that Nathan Horton type of player. I also think that the Brett Ritchies are not so solid that it doesn't give the young kids a chance to uh, not get looked. Right. Like like that, a senator, if he looks like looks good, could bump a Ritchie out of the lineup. And then that still gives a chance for the young kids to get up in the lineup, but not necessarily bump off a veteran player totally. Absolutely. And, and I think Don Sweeney, by signing, by signing Brett Ritchie, um, brought the internal competition for a young player like like um, uh, Zach Senishin to really try for and, and try to earn that spot. So definitely see what happens. I think it's interesting you said that his family's Patriot fans, even though yeah. saying, his grandmother was a Patriot yeah. fan. Yeah, they, 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 they come down. Come yeah, and they make trips down here. Yeah. I just want to know another quote that he said that I think this means, like, you know, He's ready maybe to join his draft mate up there, you know, uh, Jake DeBras. Well, maybe not necessarily on the crazy line, as you said, but uh, is that he's like, he, it's been a long road and he's definitely itching to be out there, you know, wearing the V and help them win. But he feels like he's been getting better every year. And I just wanted to give him credit because we, this is Boston and everybody will hammer the shit out of you until you just want to go home and cry into a bottle of wine or whatever. But the fact that he's still, like, just grinding and moving forward and, like, go and not letting that affect him, which is, you know, certain markets, it is hard to keep your wits about you because you're isolated in a crazy market like yeah. Boston or Toronto or whatever. So I like that he's kept his head down. He just, like, let me show you what I can do. Like, yep. I don't need to respond to all of this. So the, it was the, nice to his, hear from him. His maturity and confidence in that interview said a lot to me. The kid's just a trier. And... Uh, the way he was used is very um, when he was used down in Providence as a bottom six role most of the time that really got to Bruins fans when they said that where is this kid and is he a draft bust for me and, and to know people in the Providence area that cover the team on the regular Jay Leach and the Boston Bruins have a, a way of developing players and honestly, think, think about the, the, the path to the NHL that some of these players have to get. 
your top two lines in the Boston Bruins are pretty much set. Okay? So, it, you're not going to crack that roster because you've got the Bergerons, you've got the, the, the Marchands and the Pasternaks. What he needs to work on is his bottom six game, the tougher game, the, the I need to get in your face game, physicality. So you put him down on the third and fourth lines and learn that game so when he's ready to be plugged and played, he'll have that. He'll be ready to step right into the lineup and play. That's what he was saying, that that's what he's mostly been working on, is being able to use his size and ability. Like, he's a great skater, but Huge. he's still, you Huge know, stride. so. Uh, but that's what he said he's been working on, using his size and his strength to his advantage, like growing into learning how to use that more to his advantage. And whether that's, you know, I mean, you're already a strong skater, but that means a lot of different things, too, yep. you know. And uh, that, I think is good that that he he's very aware of the areas he needs to work on it seems and that goes partly with maturity i mean you know you could tell someone a thing a hundred times but if they don't want to yeah. improve they're not going to improve that's anything in life so but sounds good and i mean i we do have to start getting some of the young kids up just to try out and see how they look and he hasn't been one that necessarily last year got looked at to get pulled up but this year like you said you have a good training camp and when injuries happen or whatever happens you're the kid they're gonna say hey you know what meet us you know pull him up from providence for the night or whatever so it'll be good as much as he gets hammered i'm i'm still a huge fan um so uh yeah it is what it is but um we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back um talk about something else uh bruins related of course on the black and gold hockey podcast Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand score! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Johnny Gaudreau were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Hey Bruins fans, we're back. Second half of our hockey, Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Beautiful, beautiful Bachelor Park up here in uh, Amesbury, Massachusetts, up Poe Hill. Gorgeous. If you have an opportunity to get here, this is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, the, the Seabrook Power Plant is not an attractive thing to look at, but from this far uh, away, everything yeah. else, everything else, yeah, from this far away is. <laughs> Is that a planetarium? No, Are we I actually mean, in that 10-mile yeah. radius? Oh, we definitely, they tell us, you know, if you hear that, evacuate on 95. But what they're Get your like, iodine pills. Every day I have to sign off that my kids can have some iodine <laughs> so every year for school. Yes, if, in case of a thing. But I remember in science class in middle school, they were testing the sirens, and my science teacher said, everyone look to the left. Look to the right. One of you is glowing. This is actually pretty funny. Speaking of a person that's glowing... An explosive, ex- what a segue, right? Explosive with uh, personality, and he's just a great guy. And actually, was my ride to the 2016 Winter Classic down at Gillette Stadium. 
I got a shout out, birthday shout out to my boy Jared Pickard. He's from Ontario, Canada, and uh, drives down here to see that crazy motherfucker comes down here and drives, and uh, he, uh, he comes down to watch some really, really special games, but um, yeah, happy birthday, bud, and hope you're uh, enjoying it. Uh, also, shout out to Arthur Savoy, who actually got me the ticket to go with these guys. So, uh, shout out to Arthur. He's up in the Maritimes. Uh, Newfie, I believe. Uh, hopefully, I'm not, um, you know, name-calling. But uh, hopefully, you're well, Arthur. And uh, take care. But, but we're back. Let's get some Bruins talk. Back going to end this program. I'm sorry. All I can think is the Maritimes. I'm actually from Nova Scotia. <laughs> yes, I know, right? <laughs> Uh, Sorry, that's probably not funny to Canadians. But no, Canadians. I was, I was it's wa- funny to me as a New England. I was watching the uh, Spit and Chicklets uh, YouTube channel, and they were up in, uh, in Halifax, St. John's, St. John's, Newfoundland, and uh, Newfoundland, whatever, however you say it. But yeah, it was freaking hilarious. Uh, Terry Ryan's a freaking funny son of a bitch. His father's freaking even funnier. But uh, yeah, shout out Third Man in podcast. They should be up and running soon, hopefully. So anyway. Let's get back to some Bruins talk. This kind of general talk, can we can we rant about some RFAs for a little bit? Yeah, we, we tried to do this last week, and it just didn't work out. Um, I had to edit it down. So Craig Custance uh, of The Athletic wrote an article on, what was the date of that article, Heather? It was August 15th, August 15th about the stalemate that RFAs are having right now and why they things aren't being signed and and obviously it's the top domino with Mitch Marner and and it goes down now I've heard reports out of Philly uh, certain podcasts that I'm I, I didn't write these down but um I listen to a bunch of freaking podcasts out of Philly they're actually really good um but they're saying that Ivan Provorov is even asking for like 10 million dollars and he's coming out of an entry-level contract so the numbers are just crazy with the rumors so Let's hear the rant, Heather. Okay, so I have a couple rants on this. A, it is insane to me that this many top-level players have not made any money or aren't signing for money because Mitch Marner has. I'm not blaming Mitch Marner, but he obviously is the shiniest toy. It's a market. Right. Um, but there's some people out there, Braden Point. Matthew Kachuk, I mean, Jesus, Miko Rantanen, who's awesome, Kyle Connor, Patrick Lane, I'm not the thing, even Zach Wierenski has yeah. a sign, Ivan Brodorov, yeah. which I'm like, dude, Ivan, lock it down, guy. Like, yeah. you, This is what my, I've been ranting about, because last week I said to you, I'm cool, no one else RFAs have signed either. This week I'm like, what the F? I know. This is ridiculous, young, especially the young players, because I'm, and one thing, I do think you should make your money, I get you locking them down, so in the future. But at the same time, whatever happened to earning your goddamn money? Like, you don't, you Good know. Good point. No, it's like, valid point. People used to work a long, think about how much in this kind of cap salary Wayne Gretzky would have been making. <laughs> like, and think, like, I'm just saying, like, this, you can't have it both ways, players. You can't all have ridiculous contracts and expect anybody can get paid. Or you also can't, you know, I mean, you got to take a little friendly. You can't look around necessarily. I'm sick of hearing comparable numbers. I know. What's comparable? Like, no offense, but, like, even Charlie McAvoy, right, guy? You've got a couple years in the league. What is comparable to you? Because there's not many other of you out there because he was someone who came in real young, you know, and right. whatever. A comparable defenseman. I'm just, I'm kind of like, this is stupid. Like, I agree with you. In Philly, just sign Ivan Provorov. 
You guys have made some good moves this offseason. You need him on that back end now that you have a goaltender. Like, he does not need $10 million for eight years. He needs, like, an... All right. Ivan Provolov should not make more than Tory Krug, so that should be a general rule. He has a tip, uh, Ivan. You shouldn't make more than... Cake. Well, I'm just saying that if he's making 5-5, five, five, right, and he's got all this time in and has proved to be maybe you're not the best defensive defenseman necessarily, but you certainly have earned your money on the offensive side of things, even through injuries or whatever. Agreed. Why should some kid that has not earned said um, reputation necessarily, like what are we paying these players on? Their future, what their reputation will be, or what their reputation is now? I'm so confused. My, I... my, thing, my thing about this whole RFA thing is, um, oh, I, I lost where I was going with this. Fuck. No, I, my, my notes got blue in the wind, and Hello. we apologize if there's any any um, sound issues with the wind right now. It's freaking high up here. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, so take over. Um, I guess I'm just still ranting. Also, I don't want to hear about December. I can't think about not having Charlie McAvoy and found Carlo it. in there. So I just want to say, I don't want to hear about December. I want these bitches locked down by freaking Halloween at the latest. I can't deal with it. Go. All right, the second contract... These players that you mentioned earlier, the aforementioned Braden Points, the Mitch Marners, these guys are going to make bank on their second contract. You know? So, I mean, take a team-friendly deal right now. Why is it everybody's got to set the freaking the market so high? I mean, to me, that really kicked off with freaking uh, Connor McDavid, you know, making $13 million or something like that. Yeah, they're... Well, that's how they've said, like, over the first few years. But I thought this one was a good quote by, you know, just, like unnamed people or whatever it was in that article where it said an angel pointed to the Eichel deal in 2007 as a game changer. McDavid jumped the number up but he won the Art Ross. Guy wins an Art Ross good on him. Who's going to question that deal? But Eichel's the deal deal changed things and Matthew changed it. Matthew's changed it again. So it's like now we're in this one upmanship of the young kids. And I'm not saying like some of them have earned money and like Eichel Matthew, they are backbones and like you can but build the, a team But the players are day and night. Right. But at the same time, but at the same time, like Jack Eichel, let's give him credit. He's been in Buffalo, hasn't really had a team around. He's had to hit the con- more of the Connor McDavid experience right. than the Austin. He's Matthews. gonna get the team he wants sooner or later. Right, and it's building. So I'm all about locking down. But I don't think you should sign anyone more than five or six years. Period. I don't care how good yeah. you are. You don't know who's gonna get injured. You don't know what the league's gonna look like. You don't know what the cap's gonna look like. And we I've, don't know what the CBA is gonna look like. And I've always said, if you do five-year deals, I believe the league will be. Div- will be so diverse in getting high-profile players on the more regular. Yeah. Well, no. and also, like, what do you, where do you want to go? If you get 11 mil this time in eight years, yeah. you're going to be an aging player in eight years, then you're not going to get your money. Whatever happened to take, like, small, medium, yeah. large money, or if you earn it in between. But I don't think any 21-year-old needs $11 million because we've seen plenty of 21-year-olds be out of the league by the time that eight-year contract. Now you're sitting on a $30 million cap hit because you have to play players even if they're gone, right? Like, exactly. I mean, finally, you know, look at Mark Savard's contract. I got kicked around for like 10 years just to <laughs> people taking just on cap to, this Just to that. meet the cap. And yeah, I guess as a player, you're still getting money, but that yeah. fucks the teams in the future. It fucks you in the future for what money when you come up and you want your 15 mil. If you say you did like a five... Say Martin took 11 mil for five years, and that is the team-friendly deal, right? Instead yeah. of taking longer term than that. Who knows? So now you're going to want 17 mil on the next go-around, and there might not only be 9 mil. Yeah. I hey, just, sorry. Side note, yeah. what I want if I can get rid of, I want to get rid of... Oh, 
I can't. Why can't I remember this? I don't know. Signing bonuses and no. things. No. Oh, oh, taxes. Do you know how different states have, in different markets, have no taxes and players, Florida, Dallas, and blah, blah, blah? I want to get rid of that. I think that, well, you can't really help the state income tax. No, but least, you can regulate you it by a league. Well, I was going to say, what you do, though, is if you're in a state that does not pay income tax, you can tax the team on that player's salary to go back right. into something, whether that's the concussion fund, whether that's the right. whatever. Like, I'm sure there's, like, insurance somewhere for the players, whatever it is. Because that is part of the problem, too. If you are a team in Canada, you have a lot more money to spend all day long, or Texas, or so. But if you're a team in California, or in Massachusetts, or New York, or whatever, you're paying the tax alone. So that makes you already kind of a team-friendly player to choose there. I don't know. Can I talk about RFAs for a second, though? Yep. I thought we were talking about that already. This is what I decided, though. (laughs) Okay? I'm not thinking about in December with two defensemen, especially when our defense is finally looking pretty solid. (laughs) Okay, I can't. So this is what I need to do. And this is insane. And you know what? No one ever sends me any, no one sent me any hate mail yet since I started doing this to you. So feel free to hate me in the bng555 at gmail.com. This is what I need to happen. Because this is how much I trust Don Sweeney. You're going to probably hate this. You don't know what I'm going to say. It probably Uh makes you nervous. Go over the fucking cap for the next 30 days. You have until October 1st. Now, at the same time, young kids, calm the fuck down. Charlie McAvoy doesn't really have bargaining power because he doesn't have enough time to even get an offer sheet, so he's kind of got to... So that, you know, whatever. Can we calm down? Can we do five for five? Right, I think, Carlo, five mil's fine for a shorter term, and if he pans out to be even better because he's grow on the upswing, yeah. then you pay him more money the next time The around, second right? contract, you're going to get paid. Exactly. And can, McAvoy, can we calm down? Six, six. So what do we have? Like seven mil to work with, right? Yeah. So that's 11 mil right there. We dump a fucking defenseman or something, a prospect package of this or that or that or that in the next 31 days and move $4 million. I think we can do it. We have young kids, like, sure, it might not be ideal, but we do have young defensemen that can come up as necessary. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying get rid of Moore and Miller or whatever, and I understand there's, like, injuries and shit that are involved in that. Right. But, like, you can't tell me that in the next 37 days, even if it's a couple different deals, you can't move four mil to lock down these. And these guys, in turn, say, I don't really care what the other RFAs get. I get on the... I get on the ice with my team from the get-go, right? Chemistry, bonding. Also, we talked about they're young and they should be there with the team anyways because they're still young, you know? Yep. And learning from the veterans and the who's what's its I don't know why I said who's what's it That could be the most unhockey term ever on the show. But... Oh, it's, it's right up there with banana land. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> like, can we get this done? Can we just roll the dice and fucking see what happens? It's just those stupid comparables. It's like... You it's know, like a it's that stupid de- domino. <laughs> Does somebody sign? Compared to other ridiculous contracts, that's all we're comparing. You could even in this article they make some things like, you know, Marner should end up with nine to eleven mil depending on the team, on the t- on the term, on the team, on the term. We all know what team it's yeah. going to be. You know, I also think why can't you structure contracts? It's really, in this league, how you structure the contract, right? You know what I mean? But I don't think anyone should structure contracts that revolve tens of millions of dollars over eight years for who knows what's going to be happening in eight years. It's just ridiculous. And then you can't make your money later because there's no money to make your money when you top out. Sorry. That's just how I feel. But as for the Bruins, can we just consign them 
those two take a reasonable deal like I just might mention for this round. Everybody work out. People are retiring. Contracts are moving. Dead weight that we're paying is gone. Actually, I've, actually a freaking, um, I read an article from Matt Kalman on WEEI saying that um, Kevin Miller has not been skating since his surgery. So that might be an LTIR option. Um, I don't know about that. I mean, it does take 2.7, 2.5 off. There you go. You're almost you know. my four mil already. But if you, to me, if you're going to do that, you have to make sure that this player is going to be out for the whole season. No, not really, because then we can just keep him out till December. But I would move the rest of the. But wouldn't you then wouldn't, move that four mil? I, I was talking know. about. I don't know. Maybe I'm just crazy, but wouldn't you want to adjust the cap during the off season and not in the mid season? I get that, but right now we're desperate to sign these two young defensemen, or at some point at least Carlo's going to have the option to. You know, no one wants to eat a whole year off of their career either. No, like no, that's not, not good that's for your own development. Step back. So what I'm saying is that's Look not at a bad Elander, option. What happened to him? If you can. Put him on the long term, and frankly, Adam, I always call him Adam Miller because of Adam McQuaid, and they're like the same person. I'm Kevin Miller. They're always injured, and they're stand-up defensemen. That's all I have to offer them. That would eat that, right? But then that gives you more time to move that said $4 million or whatever that I was talking about without sacrificing McAvoy and Carlo on the ice for maybe even part of training camp. Right. Bank. That's just, I know it's crazy, and everyone always wants crazy shit to happen, so why can't my crazy shit happen? I trust Don Sweeney can get it done, because like you said, he doesn't say shit. I no. don't know he doesn't have lots of things that are options worked out up there, and he's just kind of sitting around. Like I've heard he's so else, tight-lipped on everything. Waiting. But everybody is. like, It's funny, too, because even like the agents, everyone's like... He's no Paul Fenton. Yeah, and they say things like, you know... I don't. I hate waiting around. It's just weird. There's more at stake every year because of salary cap issues, and it's catching up with people signing players long term in this round of CBAs. Yeah. Well, what happens the next round of CBAs? Because we've already established Crazy Town during this round. And then shortly after that article from um, from Craig Custance on the Athletic came out, there's a rumor saying that um, Marner's camp has been talking to Zurich, the Lions. Mm-hmm. Over overseas and say that he's going to possibly be over there training in September. So, if that's how you want to play, I it. mean, is that is that is that the agent freaking like rolling the dice and see what they'll do? No, I think that's the era we live in. That Mitch Marner is not a douche. He likes being in Toronto. Yeah. He's obviously a team player, great young kid, whatever. He's invested in being there, but he also knows he's Mitch. Marner and can go do something else for a little while, it's which just, a lot of players do, like during the walkouts yeah. and things like that. I, I think it's probably just part of the pissing contest, uh, though, that's going on. Uh, but like Toronto, like Toronto has like five dollars to pay Mitch Marner right now. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. All the signing bonuses in the world and performance bonuses in the world cannot fix the situation that some of the teams are in caps. I just think it's ridiculous. Like, no offense, like, again, if I'm Proveral, I'm going, yeah, but why can't I make six mil, <laughs> you know, or five mil? Like, why do yep. I got to see if Mitch Marner, who doesn't even play my position, gets whatever? Also, I just don't think you should pay for the future before you pay for the now. Like, yeah, you know I know. What I mean? Yeah, we, we, all right, what was next? We're, uh, we're going to do the NHL list rants real quick, but All right. we want to take a quick break and the wind die down for a second. Sure, let's, sit, yeah, let's just take a quick break. 
this is actually pretty crazy. And again, we're sorry about this, but it is what it is. Um, I'll be right back. We're back. Uh, this wind is not going to kick down for us, so we're just going to truck on through. Apologize for the sound and quality. So, um, where are we going to go now, Heather? Um, I can't stand Seattle not having a name. Can oh. we name Seattle? I can't Great call topic. them Seattle. They got Great a GM. Topic. I can't deal. I can't deal with them not having a name at this point. So, Shout out to the podcast. What's, what? What's uh, that? The Sound of Hockey, which is the one that I is that the one you're talking That's about? That's the one, one you suggested to me. To. Yep, love it. I love it. Those and guys are fun. They are very fun and they're very knowledgeable and they're you know they're getting a team. Yeah, they're getting a team together. They're really I, I like listening to them. It's different and I like to listen to podcast from all around. You're a junkie like myself. Different. Yeah, that's what um, Barry said to me the other day. He goes, what are you going to do when like everyone's podcasts are back up and running? I'm like, probably lose my mind <laughs> like 24 hours a day. Gotta support the pods, man. Um, but I thought I'd start by naming, uh, this is from an article by Dan Gartland from the, I don't know, extra mustard something. I don't know. From uh, It was on SI.com. But this is from December um, of 04, uh, December 4th. 2018, your birthday, right? Nice. Uh, but talk to, this is when Seattle, they got their team, but they trademarked 13 potential names. So I'm going to read what Seattle, the organization trademarked. Now, this does not mean these are going to be the name. That just means no one else can use these names until they decide what their name is going to be. Uh, I guess getting ahead of it, they don't want to be the Vegas Golden Knights and maybe get into a fight with the right. military right. Um, or whatever. <laughs> uh, but these are the potential names that Seattle has trademark for themselves. The Seattle Cougars, the Seattle Eagles, like the, the Seattle Emeralds, the Seattle Evergreens, the Seattle Firebirds, the Seattle Kraken, the Seattle Rainiers, uh, Rainers, I don't know. I never know how to say Mount Rainier or Mount Rainier. I know. Rainier. I think yeah. it's Rainier, but that's just me. I'm sure someone We're from will New tell England. Us. probably fucking hacked it anyway. Seattle Renegades, the Seattle Sea Lions, the Seattle Seals, the Seattle Sockeyes, Seattle Totems, or the Seattle Whales. So let's, before we decide to name Seattle, let's discuss their names. I love the Kraken, which I know is a ridiculous name, but Krakens are badass as mystical, mythical creatures go. So I like that. I kind of like the emeralds because it distinguishes kind of the theme of colorage up there and green in the city. I associate that with the Northwest and yep. things like that. Uh, and I like the sockeyes because historically that's important to... Um, them. Oh, I'd also like to mention that the that Seattle Metropolitans, they've act, Seattle actually already has one cup under their belt because the Seattle Metropolitans, the, the city, first United yeah. States Stanley Cup champion. Yeah. Uh, that was Seattle Millionaires. Ago. When was that? 1917 or something. Yep. It was a while ago. Bingo. World War uh, but that's what I like about those. I say Wales is out. It's too close to Whalers, and now that Carolina is yeah. starting to embrace their Hartford past after two decades or whatever, three decades there. Um, and Still a little piece of shit in my mind. Yeah, well, you know, I think the sea, sea lions will get their uh, asses ate by the sharks, so will the seals, so let's not <laughs> go with those two. What do you think? What do you think of these? I like the totems. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, yeah, and it kind of goes so. along with the Western Hockey League's um, Seattle Thunderbirds, because they have like a Thunderbird that's in a totem kind of thing. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And important for the Native American. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Respect respect to all the Natives uh, that were here way before us. 
come over here and trance on their land and do terrible things. So but that's definitely an area that um, is uh, important. The Native American yeah. community is thriving. But I, important. I'm a huge fan of the of the history too. Bring yeah. back the millionaires. I mean, I, I know a lot of people were, were against that because you're, you know, it's it's about money and this and that. But no, it's that was the team name. That's your history. So uh, totems is good. Big fan of cougars. I like the cougars a lot. Um, don't have. I, I think you know. they're too close to the predators because don't the predators? Yeah, have, like, but the predator has a saber tooth, and a cougar doesn't. A cougar is. Well, I think a cougar is in many, several different ways. But anyway, <laughs> we're not getting into that. That's a totally separate freaking podcast. Yeah, that's a different segment. <laughs> Focus. So, um, yeah, I. I I just wanted to name it something. I'm not a fan of Kraken. I don't, I don't... Do you want to know some of my ideas? Yeah, My My favorite, because I like alliteration, but they'll never go for this because it's too much. Also, because I love horror movies and horror generally, is the Seattle Slashers. I think that's a badass, like... They could just have, like, a Grim cool. Reaper with a hockey stick. Reminds me of the Calgary Hitmen in the WHL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bret Hart show. Yeah, I know. Calgary, <laughs> which is, uh, I'm a very strange obsessive thing with the Hart family, not in a creepy way, just in a fan way. Totally I kind of like the that. Seattle edge, just because, like, the edge of your skate, it's the yep. edge of the country, they have edge, I don't know, and there's nothing that sounds like that, it's not an animal, it's not a whatever, I kind of like teams that have something different that's right. not that. Seattle um, rain. <laughs> I thought, like, the Seattle Sonic, because I'm thinking, like, the Puget Sound, the supersonic sound and also the supersonics were the old basketball team in yep. Seattle. So which, it'd be all a shout which are rumored to come back? I like the idea of maybe the Seattle sirens because they're, the, you know, the sirens are the mystical Greek ladies that draw you on shore with their voice, but they're really I, nasty monsters. And wow, I'm intrigued now. So I like <laughs> it because they're Mariner history, right? They can't be the Mariners because that's their baseball team and that would be ridiculous. But a shout out to the, you know, sailors. But also kind of that's badass, right? You look like you're, you know, right. this way, but you're really the other way, right? Don't, don't think. Um, I thought, just kidding, the Seattle Seaman, spell it how you'd like. <laughs> uh, my kid, my older kid really likes the Seattle Sea Serpents because unlike the Kraken, he like prefers the Sea Serpent as a mystical creature or whatever. Right. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be the Starbucks or the Frappuccinos, yeah. and they're just going to have the, seat, the Starbucks in the middle. <laughs> Their mascots um, a freaking coffee cup. <laughs> and I really would love it to be the Seattle Soundgarden, but I'm sure there's trademark issues on that. Right. But that's, that's my cool. thought. But I, we got to name Seattle. So anybody want to let me know if you want to name Seattle? Do you have some names for Seattle? Email me. Don't bother Mark. He doesn't really care. He only cared for this 10 minutes while we talked about it. <laughs> Overall, he won't, but... That's what ran on name Seattle. You want to do it? You want to rant about the list, the NHL list? Yeah, let's do that okay. now. So before, and mostly it'll be me ranting about lists because Mark looks at the list, but I will focus on the list and I'll fixate and get mad at about the list. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not too mad, but one, lists are subjectives, subjected. What are you, subjective, what are you judging this on? Salary? <laughs> 
stats. Uh, this is from the NHL.com, yeah, right? NHL.com. Uh, NHL.org. So what I learned from this list is that the NHL does not check their own stats. Uh, two, because I am. Have you been I on their website? It's freaking terrible. Yeah. Um, two, um, they also don't have enough to talk about in the league in the middle of the league drought right now that's going on. So all they have to do is make lists that will make me mad. So I thought we could talk about the three lists that have come out so far. Or just discuss, say who it is in case no one else has heard. Maybe agree or disagree. Doesn't necessarily mean the order or whatever, who's on there, maybe who lists. But tomorrow, the top ten goalie list comes out. So I thought we could maybe do a little prediction oh, yeah. based on that. So let me find the list. What say you? If I said to you who is the top center, <laughs> just kidding, we'll start with the centers. This was released August 4th, if you haven't seen it. So number one is who? Who do you think? McDavid. Uh, yes, obviously. And he should be, okay? He had 116 points last year in a dumpster fire they call the Edmonton Oilers organization. I don't want to say Edmonton. I'm not judging the city. I'm just judging they let Peter Chirelli. <laughs> yeah. Chia Chirelli. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a big mistake. All right, so anyways, these are the top 20 centers. One McDavid, two Crosby, Nate McKinnon for Colorado, Alexander Barkov, number four, John Tavares, Austin Matthews, Patrice Bergeron. Bergie! Steven Stamkos, uh, Mike Schaffa. How do you say his name? Scheifele. Scheifele. I, I don't, I couldn't remember how to say Wait it minute. for a second. I don't, couldn't yeah, remember. Mark Sorry, Scheifele. Mark. I called him Mike. <laughs> Braden Point, Tyler Sagan, Ryan, O'Re- Ryan O'Reilly, uh, Evgeny Melkin, Sebastian Ajo, Jack Eichel, Evgeny Kunestov. And Logan Ooh, Evgeny Kuznetsov? Yeah. Ooh, Evgeny the cocaine Kuznetsov? <laughs> Logan Couture, <laughs> Nikki Backstrom, Sean Monahan, and Elias Pettersson. Those are your top 20 centers. Here it is because I just read them really fast. I'm a little annoyed at some of this. I just, again, who, what are you paying on them? Because I'm going to take it. What was Bergeron's rank again? Bergeron... Our boy Bergeron was number seven. That's fair. That's a fair rank for him. I would say it's fair. He, but a- aging I also veteran. would probably put him a little higher because he was 29th on the points list last year. Uh, he had 79 points and he only played 65 games, so I feel like he could use a little bit more boost, maybe six. Maybe. Was that league rankings or yeah. just centers? Yeah, well, that was the league ring. His, his being no, no, his numbers. Like, yeah, you just that's said. what I wrote down. Uh, okay. I had printed out like the top forty. If case you're bored, this is that was the thing. But um, yeah, so I kind of looked at the centers and the wingers. This was the offensive, the top forty numbers last year. So um, I obviously yes, I would give McDavid. Sidney Crosby, not my cup of tea, but yeah, still Sidney Crosby. I thought that Nate McKinnon was a little high on the list. I, I feel weird saying that because he was seventh in points overall with 99 points. I think you're baddest team. But Colorado to me is kind of like Calgary. It's like you got all these sexy parts, but I'm not convinced it's ever going to be put together in the right, right package. Uh, yeah, 41. I do think he's awesome, but he had a good amount. Um, again, I also think that John Tavares is a little higher overall because Toronto... What I was Stamkos? Because uh, he doesn't Steve do Stamkos it. Stamkos was a number eight, but he was also nine See, with points. that's so. way too high for me. Right, but so that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you can base it on a lot of things, but I, I see how I agree with that, too. More or less, more or less, like... 90, 
These rankings um, are just to stir the freaking No, I get that. But then, like, Ryan O'Reilly, it's like, I think that Ryan O'Reilly is a stud, but is that based on his performance because his team ended up winning the cup, too? Like, you know, like, how much of it is that? Because if that's the case, then, you know, maybe he should be higher on the list. But at the same time, like, Sebastian Ajo, I think, is actually a better center than Ryan O'Reilly. I right. think he should be above him. But Evgeny Belkin should never, until he's no longer playing, be number 13. I don't care if he's older, even though he's only, like, 33. Uh, but that's old for hockey players. Um, I have an issue with just some of the ranking in it, but I can't really think of anybody who got left off the list. Also, it's interesting to think that Leon Dreisaitl and um, who, he had Claude a big year too. Giroux have played both roles of center and winger. They both ended up on the winger list. But that's that. Shall we read the top 20 wingers? Do you have anybody you terribly... De- definitely tell me if you think they should burn off the... Like, why are you even on this list? Are you I like totally- what Marshan was. I wish it was just, like, the top 40 forwards. It would be easier for me to analyze the list. But, um, so, the top winger is obviously Nikita Kucherov. I mean, he they should have just let him play the playoffs last year. Him and Vasilevsky, they would have been all right. Sorry. <laughs> uh, number two, Patrick Kane, I think is fair. Ovechkin, number three. Um, Brad Marchand, number four. I was surprised, actually, they let Marchand be that high up. Number five, Mitch Marner. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, number six. Number seven, Johnny Gaudreau, who I absolutely love in Calgary. Uh, Yard boy, uh, Arteni Panarin. Uh, Nico Rantanen. Then number 10 is David Pasternak. Number 11, our old teammate, uh, Blake Wheeler. And by old, I mean he's been in... Winnipeg longer. They own him, but we still have some old school love for him. Number, well, at least I do. Number 12 was Claude Giroux. Uh, Mark Stone was 13, who I think was not even in the top 40 forwards for points. He became a media darling, and I'm not saying yeah. I don't think he's a good player, but I think he gets way more creed than what he has shown to do. Yeah. Oh, uh, agreed. Number four is my boy Vladimir Tarasenko on the Blues. Uh, 14. Number 15, Taylor Hall. He didn't even make the top 40 last year, too. And there were injuries involved and stuff. Uh, Nathan Huberdeau on Florida. Matthew Kachuk, 17. Gabriel Landeskoff. Uh, Patrick Lane, who I, I'm not all in on Patrick Lane yet at this point. And then number 20, Phil Kessel. Phil the You know him, you hate him, but he's still nasty as all hell, even old and large. Okay, sorry. Um, so, let's say you. I was shocked that Brad Marchand was that high up on the list. If it was a popularity contest, he, he wouldn't be points, that high. right. So, he was fifth in points. So, I guess he's right where he should be. I mean, that's, that's overall talent that got yeah. him that ranking right there. Was, I was just surprised Marner wasn't higher than him. Yeah, I mean, contract year. Will you still put Ovechkin <laughs> up that high for his position or just because he's Alex Owen can put up? I don't know. I mean, I, I like Ovechkin. I like his game and the dynamic he brings to the game. But he's just, to me, one-dimensional. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's he's such a lethal on the power play. And that shot in the circle, every time he shoots, where is it? It's in that circle every freaking time. How come they can't defend that better? He's that nasty. I give him tons of credit, but it's just, he doesn't do an... He doesn't have, like, a two-way game that... Maybe I'm biased because I love Bergeron. Yeah. I love the way that freaking guy yeah. plays. And, and then I set, the bar, I set the bar from there, you know? So. I have that bias, too. It's like, what would Bergie do yeah. in this situation? See, I'd be a freaking terrible um, freaking national freaking, like, 
uh, podcast or National Hockey League podcast if we discussed like other teams, teams and everything, yeah, you know. Like, I'd be like, he's no Bergeron. Um, he's no Rask. I actually prefer Miko Rantanen to be a little higher on this list, a little bit. Like, I mean, I guess these middling guys, uh, Blake Wheeler, I mean, I don't know. What do you do with him? Should he be right in the middle of the pack? I don't know. I don't think Mark Stone should even be on this list, though. I'm just telling you that right now. I don't think he's earned it. Uh, in defense of Taylor Hall, do you think he should be higher on this list but just hasn't had the team around him ever in his career to help him be the Taylor Hall? I feel like he's trudged through, and he had he was injured, right. too. He, had, um, he wasn't in there because he... To be totally him. honest? Yeah. And I lost it. I lost totally Brody. honest about Taylor Hall. Oh, if we were doing this list a year from now, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he'll be because, back up there. Yeah, I mean, he's just headed down a year. Well, that's what I don't know. Like, is it judged before or after no. or when and contract, but they, names, yeah, but draft order? I don't know what this is. They're all, yeah, this is what Ray Shiro has, has done for years, and I'm so impressed by this GM, mm-hmm. is he's got okay. Taylor Hall for one more year of negotiations before he needs to get signed. This was the perfect time for them to pick in the draft where they did. To get the Hughes kid, get Subban, mm-hmm. and uh, it's so windy you can't even light that butt. I know. You? Go, keep going. Sorry about the clicking. Some people are butt smokers. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think this is the year that they're going to really—they'll uh, make the playoffs. I, I'm—I can almost guarantee that I they'll at least make well. one round. And then if Taylor Hall sees that, he's going to be bought in just like the freaking organization is doing with the pieces yeah. that they're getting. I agree with that. I think that it's not like he's because he's perfect, but he certainly has had two organizations that he hasn't had the support system needed to really hit that next plateau as some of his peers have done or whatever. Um, and I don't know. This goes back to the Edmonton Hot Show. Like, how do you get up when you have him and no. you have Connor McDavid? Whatever. Uh, that's neither here nor there. But I agree with you. I think Jersey's making the playoffs. I think that they have done the best to build a team to really make an to really be competitive from the get-go. Even though they are still quote-unquote building. Oh, I agree with that. Who knows that. how long building periods last? We'll see. You know, but. Uh, I think he'll be higher next year. But that's why I'm confused about some other people, too, like Mark Stone, because although you did have a great playoff, you basically were traded to be a playoff piece, and now you're not even there anymore, right. you know? You were literally that trade line deadline acquisition. <laughs> there. Um, yeah, I'm not... I feel like Colorado's team gets a lot of love for what they will be than what they necessarily yeah. are. Yep. Uh, do you feel that way? I feel like the media especially... I do think, you know, we live in a media world, so if you tell everybody Colorado's the best team, no, but what happens if they're just first round get out for the next couple years, too? For me, Colorado, I know we're getting way out of the non-Bruins talk, but... NHL, um, man, we don't... Yeah, I know, I know, but to me, Colorado's going to be heavily relied on the defense. Losing Tyson Berry, a a, a player like him, reminds me of Tory Krug. The way he moves and so on. I know I'm doing the fangirl fucking hand pump. But, um, and gold. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah, the gold is going to be huge for them. Hey, you know what? 
can we talk about the defensive list just a little bit? Because Absolutely. Nice segue there. Okay. Yeah. How about we're going to segue into a, this isn't a fangirl, this is just a I have eyes kind of thing. Now, it is not that I disagree with this list. This just goes back to my what are we basing this on list. Okay? Because I'm going to read the top 20 defensemen in case you're, this is for want talking in case you're interested those were the top 20 defensemen last year statistically but this is the nhl as released last sunday night number one brent burns i am not going to take away brent burns is not the number one defenseman in the league because i absolutely are these numbers from last season yeah that's what wow burns he had an 83 point yes season. he did and he was number one as defenseman what did he, I'm just... he had he had good numbers the year before too Let's see if I see it in here. 83. Uh, this was an NHL uh, high. Um, I they don't have. I don't have right. it on this list. But all right, number two, Victor Hedman. He was 11th with 54 points, but I'll give him that he is much more of a defensive defenseman than necessarily. So yeah, big he's, presence. He's interesting that he he's instead of being the opposite of an offensive defenseman who has to play defense. He's still solidly like a defensive player who also is like a Ray Bork and also gives you a little offense. Yep. Not saying he is Ray Bork because no one's Ray Bork. But <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Mark Giordano, another one of course. I'm a little biased towards the Flames, though, but that's just me. Uh, Eric Carlson, I would not have him at number four. That's just no, me, even no. with the injury. Yeah. Number five, Seth Jones, another guy that's overrated a little bit for what's been done so far. Number six, John Carlson. Number seven, Morgan Riley. Number eight, uh... Roman Yossi, uh, Drew Doughty's number nine, way too high for me on this. Although he is, to me, the consummate like defensive defenseman. He was 19th on the list point-wise. Yep. Uh, I know injury, and I do give him, like, he's in kind of a shit show situation himself on his team. But number nine, Chris Letang. Number 10. I don't know. Have number 10. I lost it. No, I'm just kidding. Number 10, Alex Petroangelo, who I would guarantee is more. I think he should be higher on the list if we're judging on defensive game, but yeah. is probably solid where he should be if we're going to also incorporate uh, your offensive game. Uh, then John Klingberg, P.K. Subban. Big fan of Klingberg. I would think P.K. Subban, like whatever, he, he didn't have his best year this year either, but I think he should be higher up on the list if we're going to consider all-around package skills. Yeah. You know how I feel yeah, about the PK His offensive man. capabilities are absolutely Number 14, huge. Charlie McAvoy. Good on you. Number 15, Jacob Taruba. Uh, number 16, Tori Krug, who we will rant on why Krug is 16. I'm a little confused. Uh, Miro uh, Hishkak. And a hot take for me on oh, Charlie McAvoy's ranking. Uh, then Ryan Sutter, uh, Colton Franco, and Zach Wierenski. That's the top 20 defensemen. Can't. All right, so you I want me to go list. first on my rant? Yes, I want you to rant on this defensive because you're a bully and you also, that means you defensive First thing, minded. absolutely agree on the ranking of Tori Krug. That's fine. A little I'll, do, I'll, I'll give it up for the fangirl. But the Charlie McAvoy ranking? No. I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't see him in the games he's played with his injury history that he even deserves to be in the top 20. Maybe top 25. Maybe my, my top 25, he comes in 23rd. You know what I'm saying? So, I, he, it's a work in progress. Yeah. Now, now, he has a solid year. We're sitting here next season, next, next year, 
Bam, I might even put them in 18 and 19. Um, this is not from a parallel defense, but Tori Krug, first of all, he was still in the top 12 defensemen with point-wise, yeah. and he missed like 20, 25 games. Yeah. <laughs> he has in the last five years been solidly in the top 14, 10, number seven, number nine, whatever defenseman. He had, and if we're going to consider like Petri, well, I'm sure some of that has to do with being a great captain throughout the playoffs and all that, and like just being in a pretty well-rounded, awesome defenseman. And I get Tory Krug isn't your stand-up defenseman, but last year he proved he can play defense too, and it's not always his fault because he's the small one. Right. And la la la. And we also know that he is a badass forward that plays defense. I I'm sorry. Did we talk about that again? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so in my defense of Tory Krug, because I feel like if you've averaged in the last five seasons being around number seven to twelve, you should not in be number sixteen points. on this list. In defensive points, that's ridiculous. Yeah. At the same time, as much as I love Rudy, why the fuck are you that high up? Although I give you lots of credence of your experience, you are a badass. You yeah. are awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you were Brett Burns before Brett Burns was Brett Burns. Like you know what I mean? Kind of defense in. Um, I think you're a little too high, so I'm a little freaked out. I'm not saying I wouldn't put McAvoy on the list, but he has not proved to be the 14th best defenseman. I also would probably drop Chris Letang down a little bit, only because he is an aging defenseman. I do think he's awesome. Uh, I do also think he's been very in injury oh, yeah. for a oh, long yeah. time and things like that. NHL any beats up. Rants? Any beats other rants on that? No. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, we're back after another little break. Uh, time for some black and gold hockey podcast listener questions. We got some stuff from the, the Twitter machine and a little bit of Facebook. So uh, we're going to start with uh, a friend of the show, Chris Blackie, at Chris Blackie on Twitter. What do you guys think uh, the Bruins ultimately end up doing with Bacchus? Always a hot topic, this one makes me sad. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I, I think he's going to get packaged to move something else to make money. Like Honestly, there's going to be so many avenues that they could explore. They could, like, like you mentioned, they could sweeten a deal, add a prospect or some kind of player in and to entice another organization to take them. Especially an organization that has cap space they have to spend. Right. I mean, that... The other thing is keep them. Yeah. You know, I mean. Get used to that idea that at least for this season, at least till the trade deadline, David Backus very well. It's unfortunate. It's so unfortunate that you're going to probably see a player like David Backus as a $6 million player on your fourth line, getting minutes, rotating with the younger crew. I think Par Lindholm could be one of those guys that he'll see some time and then throw Backus in on certain situations. You don't want to see a six million guy on your cap hit sitting in the ninth floor either. I don't so, want to see a player like David Backus who kind of it all came crashing down right. last few. You know, I. But at the same time, you can't hurt your team. I, I I think ultimately he's going to get packaged in a sweetened deal to move space. I mean, God, if you move him, that's enough space to worry about re-signing things and. 
I think we have enough. I get everyone wants to keep every prospect and every potential, you know, but the long and the short is you only have so many spots. And if you have something that's an asset that you could use to get what you need, yeah. then that's, it is a You got to pull a trigger on something. But as a fan, it makes me sad to think of David Backus sitting on the ninth floor or just what it's come to this. Right. But uh, we also don't know what David Backus is going to look at a training camp. You might be like, holy guy, what's going on with him? Uh, Cassidy, uh, at Cassidy, at Photo Cassidy on Twitter, uh, her question is, um, what scenarios do you see a feasible as feasible to ensure both Carlo and McAvoy get deals they want and deserve? And a bonus question, who is safe from Seattle? Expansion draft. Okay, so why don't you take the... So let's start with right. Carlo McAvoy. What do you think? I don't know. We talked about it earlier. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I see McAvoy getting five, Carlo getting three, four, something like that. I don't know. It's just, I, it's just we yeah. talk about this all the time, yeah. and it's just kind of crazy. But Well, it's, and it, I feel like it's always shifting, too. Like, what could we do, you know... What could we really sacrifice to still not create a void to the point that we really drop down in status of team compete, you know, right. and that's not against anybody, but um, I don't know. Like I said, ultimately, I think my crazy idea that we talked about earlier might work. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that is moving back and stuff on the back end. I don't know. It's hard to say, but... Uh, they got to get them signed. Yeah. You know that. I wish I knew what she thought about it, like what she thought could happen. Right. It's interesting. Um, got Seattle. Yeah. I don't, this one's tough because I don't really know. I mean, there's so many players that could be picked. Miller, Moore. Anybody you just really want to get rid of, you can actually expose. It's like they're on their last, I don't know. That's a tough the, one. The people Good who, question, but tough one. I, I was going to say on that one, it's also because there's all these rules with the draft. So we have pretty much the players you can protect are protected by the way their contracts are structured anyways. So a lot of the young players are going to be right there that you, you know, if you're rotating them up, because that's what, ne not next year, but the year after is the draft, right? Because yeah. they're starting 21, 22. So yep. the draft will be in 21. Um no, I don't think they I can think draft. So. No, I think that because the they, first year they can't draft because they're doing an no, expansion draft. No, no, not draft. the regular draft, the expansion draft. So oh, you're protecting oh. from the Seattle draft. Oh, okay. Um, but you're going to see a lot of those players, but a lot of players aren't going to be around, so it's kind of hard. But all the top core players are all protected via their contract because if you're um, unrestricted free agent, you can't be. If you're within the first year of certain contracts, you can't. So. That one's hard. That can we revisit at the end of next year. I'm going to put right. that one to the side. We'll get back to that one, Cassidy. Um, Mike Fuhr, uh, on my Facebook wall, when I posted the Q&A, asked, who has a better chance of starting the year with the big club, Jack Stitnika or Trent Frederick? i got to say Stitnika, just for the fact that he's our, the top prospect. He can fit on... One of those lines, third or fourth. I don't want to see him play a fourth line minute role. Um, but I also see Jack starting the year in the American Hockey League. Both Frederick and Stadnika will be, in my opinion, starting the year in the AHL. 
Um, I think I get the fourth line minute role, but I also think he's at a point in his career he needs to get around some of those um, veteran players and get their like life experience too. Yeah. Even if he's not, because you can work hard and practice and stuff like that and be there. I mean, there's right. always an injury. There's always whatever. Um, I think he's more ready. I'm not totally sold on Trent Frederick because he's confusing to me because he is a good player, but I also feel there's a lot of other people at this point, what you see, that could also do what he does. So I'm not sure where nope. he clicks. I think that... Um, this time. There's this time. time. I'm not... You know me. I'm like, I'm take your time. I don't... You know, you're still right. learning. But I think Sidnika is more ready to step into being on the main team. Absolutely. Um, and finally, on the Facebook, on my wall, Darren Burris uh, asks, does Carson Coleman fit into the starting roster this upcoming season? I'll take this one, I guess. No. I, and I hate saying that because I do like what Carson Coleman brought to the lineup last season. He was a call-up. He uh, had a good year down in AHL Providence. Um, but... Just the way that things were signed this year, they really didn't make any explosive moves to, you know, cross that threshold. Um, but I, I see a player like Brett Ritchie getting a position at a million dollars over Carson, unfortunately, so or piling on because of the the higher NHL experience or whatever. I don't know. I I just don't see how it's going to play out in. And these guys are bigger players. I, I honestly think that the Bruins went out and got these players this summer because they wanted to address the need that the fans think that you need to be a little more tougher. So you need to be harder to play against, and that's what probably cost them the Stanley Cup. There's no right or wrong answer to me on this one, yeah. but I just don't see it that way. I, I, I believe scoring goals ultimately wins games. If you're not putting the puck in the net, I don't care what happens before that. Or who's getting out and hitting? Who's doing this and that? Put the friggin' puck in the net. Five on five. Get that pot straightened out. Well, if that's what they're trying to address, I agree with you that they're probably going to defer to a Richie or someone who has a little more experience uh, in the NHL, you know. Uh, I think Carson Coleman is an interesting, because he did show his worth to us when he got called up, because we've talked about this, the kids down that keep coming in and out they haven't necessarily shown they're ready to be up so when everyone's freaking out that they haven't come up yet well I haven't really seen any of them blow my mind to a point there I'm like oh god why is he down there exactly. because that's not how it works if you know but um he though I think is almost more than like we were talking about uh Senishin. he even more has to make sure he gets noticed so people don't forget what he showed that he could do in yeah. that last month you yep. know kind of thing uh but I don't think that he'll be on the starting lineup. He's not ready to be there full time. I don't think you know what I mean. That he's, but who knows? I don't know. Training camp's an interesting thing. Yeah, it certainly is. And when people will be fighting for um, for jobs. All right. Do yeah. you want to do um, another couple? We're gonna do couple? some fun things. Yeah, because we're in the part where there's still not enough going on to thing, but we're gonna have fun. So. Yeah, I'm having fun. And I know that so. this is a Bruins podcast, and you know I love the Bruins. You also know I love other random things, and I. So I'm going to ask you some random questions now, and maybe the people want to answer back to us about what they think about Yeah, we're going to do this because I, I fumbled. I, I, I cleaned up my computer 
when I was uh, when doing some edits and I thought we didn't need it, and all of a sudden when you asked uh, if you still had the file, I was like, oh, shit. That's fine, but, but we can still have fun and we'll do it again, and let's face it, probably don't remember what happened a month ago because we're old, so... <laughs> That's probably true. I don't don't remember what happened an hour ago. My first question is, I heard this on a podcast. I don't remember what it was, whatever. I listened to too many, but it was like, they're talking about like, who's your hockey girlfriend? So like, you're married to your team, right? But who's the other team in like the other conference or whatever that you like? Damn, I'd date you like if I wasn't a married man or Um, whatever. So in the West, who do you look at and you're like... Wow. I've always kind of had a thing for Calgary, but I'm not going to lie. I find myself becoming fascinated with the Phoenix Coyote. Oh, sorry. Arizona Coyotes or whatever. I don't know why. Maybe too much of wit and biz. I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, that's where but I'm like, gravitating to. But generally, they are actually, they got a new owner. They got a lot of things going on that looks good. I kind of want to keep my eye on them. And also, Dallas if is I'm not cute. mistaken... The league has finally washed the hands from the organization. They're not running. Or they might have a little percentage. I don't know. Mm. But I heard that. This guy's all in. That yeah. Just took, yeah. And they're going to build a stadium closer to, you know. The middle of Phoenix. nowhere where it is. Yeah. Like somewhere near. Not in major, Glendale. Not anywhere else. A major metropolis right. in which that people right. might be able to go to. All right. What rule in the NHL would you ban for a day if well, you I didn't even say my one. team. But oh, sorry. Who's your team? I, 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 would, I would have to say... Colorado, you know what I mean? McKinnon's just a nasty friggin' player. Landis Gogg's a nasty player. Rantanen's going to get paid. Oh God, He's nasty. Paid. So, yeah, I mean, I like that. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No You're worries. Time conscious. No worries. So I do it to you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyways, what role would you ban for the day? I hate icing. I just want to see what would happen. I just feel it slows it down. Everyone wants it faster. Ru- I just want to see what would happen. What happens if they have to do The rule I'd drive? ban is the puck over the glass delay a game. Don't like it. It's dumb. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, what is your strange fan superstition? Do you have any? Everything I do is a strange fan superstition. So, I have a lot of Bruins jerseys. I have a lot of Bruins gear, um, podcast stuff, and so on. So, if I wear something and the Bruins lose, I kind of like go through a month where I won't touch that shirt again or wear that whatever again and go through a cycle so yeah it's kind of weird especially the traumatic losses is i'll won't i'll banish like a a t-shirt for a while (laughs) i can't it'll go in it'll go into the attic closet for like the whole year and then i'll break it out in the off season (laughs) like yeah oh where have you been oh yeah i forgot i we weren't talking for a while but now you're back i'm just like i I have been known to drive back to my house if I do not have my... I always have my regular season scarf yeah. on on game day. And if I do not have it, I have been known to be like 20 minutes away from my house and be like, oh, no, this yeah. isn't happening. Like, I need to have that shit with me. I am very crazy about that. And the socks, but the I get like that socks. with my socks. I, I have love to have socks, socks on the game. But then I have to banish it. But then, like I said it before, like, I fucked it up during the cup run because that one day I accidentally put the Stanley Cup socks on that I thought were the regular white socks with the same side of logo. I know. I got to be more conscientious. I almost wore my black ones today just to It's almost like me drinking out of the cup before the Bruins could have. Speaking of that, if you could have the cup for one day, what would your day with the cup look like? Um... It would be a whole lot of Jack Daniels and uh, lemonade, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> a few straws from some friends, hopefully sipping alongside me. Absolutely. 
That would be a dream come true. That'd be it. That'd be it. Um, I would make out with the Stanley Cup first. <laughs> it's not the grossest thing that's happened to it. Um, bring it to the beach, maybe a Zamboni ride at the Graf Rink, eat a Haji special out of the top of it, nice. and then make out with it some more. Nice. Because who knows when you get the cup for a day again, or ever in our case. Good point. Um, that's fun. Give me one person that you think should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame but isn't. Ooh, tough one. Um, I'm going to say Roberto Luongo. Roberto Luongo, but he just retired. I so know. I know. I didn't have time to really think about this one. All right. Um, I'm going to give you some options, and you pick okay. who you think of these people. You're going to okay. be like, this doesn't help. Cujo, Theron Fleury, McGilney, although I think he might have gone in, Kachuk, and Neronik. Who do you think? Pick one of those lists. McGilney. McGilney. Okay. Yeah. Fighting yay or nay? Just a yay or nay? Yay. As long as it's organic, right? Yes. Not staged. Not organic. staged. Yep. Okay. Who's better North American, the North American power, powerhouse? Let's try that again. Of us in Canada, who is the powerhouse? Is it Canada still, or is it now the States? Um, I'm going States. I'm American, and I love America, so, Yeah. I mean, Canada is still going to be produce tremendous talented hockey players, but the United States is stepping up. How about are the Can-Am kids better than everyone else? Yes. Yes. <laughs> All day long. I wrote down the U.S. rules. Canada's we can work rules, together on together, that question. We beat the rest of these fools. That's literally what I wrote down. Uh, fighting year. Okay. Best player of all time besides Bobby Orr because that is bias. Um, and not I, Wayne Gretzky because everyone's. I'm a huge that. Bork fan. So. Ray Bork. Yeah. Greatest player of all time. Yeah. Even better than Zidane Chara. All right. Um, how about our offer sheets acceptable? Yes or no? Yeah. I mean, why not? Is it acceptable to just take offer sheets and just still wait around and never, ever, ever sign with a team? It could be acceptable, but respected? I'm not sure about that. I say, why is it there if you can't use it? I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like, if... And if you didn't want to leave, why'd you sign it? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Especially, like, exactly. Like, it's kind of... Like, Sebastian Ajo, he did not hesitate one moment to sign that. I heard he doesn't even want to The front-loaded money would would give me a kickstand. (laughs) How about... uh, Shootout or something else at the end of regulation. I'm not a fan. I like five on five. I don't like the shootout period. It's very into, it's it's heavily favored against the shooter. I mean for the shooter. Yeah, definitely. Especially that late in the game too. You know what yep. I mean? All you right. Play, wait a minute. You played sixty games. You played sixty minutes as a team. Why does it come down to yeah. that? And there's individual. one goalie and ten shooter exactly. potential. Like that's not fair. Exactly. Uh, all right. Don Cherry, fun, crazy uncle or hockey relic? Uh, fun, crazy uncle. I agree, yeah. but he's been amping up the fucking crazy. Yeah, oh, my God, look at them celebrating in Carolina. Yeah. This is the worst thing that ever happened Those in hockey. Those bunch of jerks. He's the same dude that didn't want the yeah. Russians here in the 80s and 90s, you know. Um, no, but, I, I mean, I, I respect Don Cherry, but he's definitely getting a little crazier. Uh, all right, which Canadian team will break the north of the border drought with the cup? My want it to be Calgary, but it's probably Toronto in my mind, or who do you think? I'm going to say Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. Oh, Winnipeg. I have Winnipeg is Winnipeg's I'd rather a strong be, team, man. I'd rather be Huge. Winnipeg than Toronto. Yep. <laughs> All right, which GM has done the most to upgrade their season in the offseason? I think we both agree. Ray, Ray Shero. Ray Shero. Yes. All day. Shout With out, New Jersey mind. Devils. Who's the most overplayed player in the NHL besides potentially Eric Carlson? We'll find out. 
Um, Matt Duchesne. I don't know. I kind of, uh, I'm kind of lost on him. It's yeah. like, why does he get all these deals? I know he's a good player and so on, but I just haven't really seen it. Maybe I don't pay attention enough, but it just seems like he just, I don't know, floats around, still's not getting. I agree that. with you. He's like a like you know how I feel about Dougie Hamilton. If I I'm don't wrong, like at him. Me. It's like you're a good player, but I just don't understand you. Like, right. you, are you as good as everyone? Th- okay, so um, I'd say Wayne Simmons. That's just me. I just don't like Wayne Simmons, and I don't think he earns the money. No offense, Wayne Simmons. Actually, who cares if you're not listening to this? Does more offense or higher scoring games usually equal more exciting games? Exciting. I think it's exciting, but I also think sometimes... We'd be a fan of a one-to-one. Yeah. Zero-zero game, too, so... I like tight defense, too, so when it gets like that, I'm like, yes! Keep that goals against average down. All right, I'm sick of the NHL telling me who my rival should be. Uh, I want you to know, with the exception of Montreal, who, if you were born here, should automatically come with a genetic gene that makes you want to puke when you see a Canadian's jersey. Who is the biggest rival to Boston? Right now? Not right now. Just an actual rival. Like, Tampa Bay isn't my rival. They're just no, a team that no. I've battled a lot in the last I mean, years. Montreal, Boston's always going to have some, a place in my yeah. heart for that. But it's, it's, becoming, it's becoming a Toronto... Well, Toronto, I would argue, is a natural yeah. adversary. And I'm a big, like, the Flyers. Like, yeah. they're our sister city of just kind of, like, nitty, gritty, bitchy, like, just, bleh, like, right. sports. Crazy sports. Only crazy sports sounds really, really get, like, not that other How many more you got? Are. I'm just doing a few. Okay. Just in there. Um, I don't know. Oh, what do you think the best non-rivals Bruins? What do you think the best NHL non-Bruins rivalry is? I'm a Pittsburgh, Chi- Philly. I'm a Chicago, Detroit. See? Ooh, that's, that's another good one, though. That's right. another good one. Would you accept losing three or more c- Cup finals in Game Sevens if it meant that Montreal would never touch the Stanley Cup again? I would say yes all day long. I have a coping yeah. mechanism for losing the Cup. Yes, twice. because once we lose, I hate everything else. <laughs> <laughs> if you could interview one person in the NHL, who would it be? I would do Batman because he fascinates me. I hate him. I oh. but yet he's been around for so long. Ray Shiro. I'm, I'm bringing it back to Ray because he's yeah. such a good general manager. Um, I'm just going to do a couple more, because uh, we can always do a few more if we need some some other time. Um, if and when Tory Krug is not a Bruin, exactly how many months will I go through mourning? Oh, my God. I don't know if I'll be able to find you to do a podcast again. Um. <laughs> Day 365. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I wrote down one year proper Victorian mourning. That's funny. I'm just kidding, people. I know he might not be here. That one thing. Um... What do you think would be most to draw in the non-traditional hockey crowd into the hockey family? What would the NHL do or get to do? I'm like, let them be human beings. They're down to earth. They're funny. These young kids know how to work the YouTube. Yep. Make them interesting. You, anything? I, nah. I don't know anything about the question. I'm going to give you two more questions. Ready? You don't know... You don't know anything about what you think the NHL could do to make it more appealing to people outside of their already fan base, the uh, casual fan, to make them Just keep them. developing the way they're developing the game now. I say get it's more aggressive. games on national TV that people uh, don't need yeah. cable at sports network. All right, two places you'd love to go on a road trip. Two places uh, to see a game. Toronto. And I want to go to Chicago. I want to go to the United... Uh, United Center. United Center, yeah. Yep. 
I picked Montreal because I live on the edge and also it's Montreal and Florida because no one else goes there, although those things might be changing. All right, ready? One more and then we'll, oh, actually, this is just one word answer. Lemieux or Yager? Uh, Lemieux. Okay, Gretzky or Messier? I know the answer. Messier. Messier all day long. Crosby or McDavid? McDavid. Bork or Orr? (laughs) Orr. (laughs) All right. That's it. All right. We have a few more maybe if we do in something other time. Thank you. Thank you, Heather, for that. Um, Yeah, we're going to end it right now. That was a lot of fun. This was a long podcast. This was probably our longest ever. You're just saying that because it took an hour and ten minutes to get it going. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's still a little fun. Great day out here. Uh, if you, if you, like I said, if you've been listening to this point, thank you so much. Thank you guys you. are you guys are freaking troopers. But as we wrap up this Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, episode 142, I wanted to first and foremost thank our listeners, whether it's your first time or a continued listener. Your time and support of our Bruins banter every week is very much appreciated, and hope you can find a moment to give us a five-star rating and write a review on podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show financially, we ask that you sign up and donate just $1 per episode at www.patreon.com slash blackandgoldhockeypodcast and get involved in our our exclusive Patreon member giveaways. Starting with our first show in September... We'll be giving away Bruins-related Fanatics t-shirts as a way to say thanks for helping us cut our operating costs. Another great way to support the show and affiliated website financially is to go to blackandgoldhockey.com and uh, click on the official Fanatics banner to the right before shopping online. That Fanatics banner is connected to not only NHL products, but also additional sports apparel in the NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, NCAA, and NASCAR. Uh, we'll be back for episode 143 next week. Uh, location to be determined. This is a lot of fun. Love going to all these different places in Amesbury, my hometown, and representing. So uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody, and uh, take care. Bye. Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.